Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 10 for Monday, October 8th, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, or as you may know him on the internet, Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, and good evening from the UK. Actually, we're recording this a little bit later than usual, and that is because we are not alone. We have a guest with us for the first time helping us celebrate our entry into double digits on this podcast. So, listeners may know him from YouTube, where his channel Wells Night Gaming produces daily family-friendly videos for an audience of 340,000 subscribers and growing. He also runs a second channel, Wells After Dark, playing RPGs, roguelikes, and other games for an older audience, and he streams on Twitch, kind of whenever he feels like it. Wells Knight, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It is uh, it's kind of customary around here for us to start each show by talking about what we've done in Minecraft this week. So uh, at the risk of maybe spoiling some stuff for the YouTube audience, uh, what have you been up to, Wells? Uh, this week, to be honest, not much. Um, <laughs> I've actually been fairly sick over like the last few weeks, and uh, I, have, I have barely played any Minecraft at all this last week uh, because I have been on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, lying on the couch is not uh, Minecraft playing time for uh, for, for the no, full, for the full-time no. content creator. It's got to be uh, something of a, a break. <laughs> got to recharge. Yeah, yeah I've, been, uh, I've been laying on my couch and uh, I've been playing a little bit of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but I was feeling uh, fairly well for a couple of days there and I did manage to build the first ever iron farm that I have ever made in the many years that I've been playing Minecraft. So I'm pretty proud of that. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but that's basically it. It's like one one iron farm. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show, agreeing to do this while you were like recovering from being ill. I feel like we've kind of pressed you into this all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Like I've I've been working on a creeper farm this week myself, and technical Minecraft is not normally something I touch. But I've been trying to branch out with this season, and I've I've kind of met that in the middle by uh, turning the outside of it into what's going to be a cruise ship. Right now it looks like a giant half pipe <laughs> just in the bay outside of my uh, my island. But uh, yeah, farms, farms all around. How about you, Joel? What have you been up to? Uh, I actually have been spending quite a lot of time on stream because uh, it's a holiday weekend here in uh, Canada. So it's Thanksgiving for those of you that are not in uh, this country. Uh, and uh, I had uh, just some downtime. So I, I had a huge four hour stream yesterday where we were uh, building paths, which it sounds really boring when you just say it on a podcast, but I had a lot of fun. It's it's that part of taking a build, still working on the inn on a bridge and kind of meshing it into the landscape. So it looks less like someone plunked it there. And, you know, like the bridge and the stairs and the path leading up feel like they're more nestled into the, into the countryside. So I was on stream with uh, a bunch of really cool people, including some people I think you sent over my way, Mr. Pixelbrush. <laughs> I uh, do my best. So we had some, yeah, so we had some fun. And I, the challenge was to not do like the standard grass path stuff. We were, we were using cobble and stone and, and mossy stuff and trying to make like a, a cobbly grassy path through the woods. So something I've not done before, uh, at least not at, at this size or in this scale. So I, I had a lot of, a lot of fun with it. I found it quite relaxing. There's something zen about path building, I think. It's kind of becoming one with your environment and deciding like what the path should be and where it should be taking you. Yeah, my rule is that I try not to just level uh, the, the earth. Like I try to say like, all right, well, there's a hill here. I can either go through it or over it with stairs. So I either have to make a cool tunnel or I have to make a staircase that winds up over it. I even try and avoid cutting down trees just because I find it makes the path more interesting. I really don't like walking through, uh, the nether is a really good example. 
a lot of times it's more convenient to build nether tunnels in straight lines, right? Because you're just you're really just there to go quickly. But if it's a long nether tunnel, I find it so boring. So with my paths in the overworld, I tend to have them snake here and there, go up in between trees, steep stairs, shallow stairs, whatever, just so it's a little bit more fun when you're when you're walking along. It, the irony is not lost on me that we all have elytra and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> but <laughs> but at ground level, it's it's kind of fun to to kind of get into that kind of minutia. Speaking of stairs, we've uh, got a little bit of news this week coming in from uh, from post Minecon. So we thought all of the exciting news had been delivered at the big live stream last week, but now on Twitter we have Dinnerbone and Lady Agnes confirming that around forty new stairs, slabs, walls, variants of existing blocks are going to be uh, coming to the next update. And Wells, you must have an opinion on this because you're a builder, and I feel like a lot of people are probably breathing a sigh of relief that there are going to be andesite and granite stairs out there in the world this is the answer to my prayers <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> um i mean anytime anyone has asked me if you could add something to minecraft what would it be i, I, I my answer was always slabs and stairs for all the things mm -hmm. so this is this is it this is the one i've been waiting for for forever uh, so i'm i'm very excited about this dinner dinner bone the savior of the builder and uh indeed i feel like that was the the reaction everybody had when prismarine slabs and stairs were added as well which which feels oh so long ago at this point but uh yeah i think i i remember talking to joel on the first podcast that we sort of interacted back when he was just interviewing me on that uh as a content creator and I was talking about prismarine slabs and stairs like they were some kind of far off and unapproachable mystery, and and yet now we have them and uh, even more stuff coming along. Um, still no new new uh, new blocks aside from what they announced at Minecon, but uh, with forty new stairs and slabs and so forth, there's there's definitely scope for some stuff to come. Yeah, I I know that they had mentioned I think directly that smooth stone stairs was in there, mm -hmm. but. With 40 being the number, I mean, that hints at maybe even something like concrete getting slabs and stairs, which surprises me. Or wool. I've, I've imagined wool for a while getting converted into stairs just because people are so keen to put carpet going upstairs, which is something you can't really do. Hmm. Interesting. Or wool slabs for, like, awnings. Yeah, totally. There's, there's Because the, right now it's either carpet or full block, and both of them look disproportionate yeah there's a there's yeah. a lot of applications to uh to wool slabs and so forth i'm sure wells if you were to pick one like what what is the stair or the slab that you are just like champing at the bit to have in stone the stone yeah yep because you know gray i love my gray colors <laughs> as, a, as a medieval builder just, i imagine yeah yeah or, it's just like everything i build is either stone or wood so or andesite andesite would be another one that i'm really super happy about uh, i'm interested to see if they're talking 40 new blocks that are getting slabs and stairs or if they're talking uh 40 blocks uh, in other words like is a uh andesite slab and stair going to be counted as two towards that 40 or is that going to be one set like is it 40 sets or is it like 40 Blocks, 40 existing block sense. types that are getting all of the above kind of thing yeah right yeah. Or, or is it 40 slabs and stairs because yeah. i mean then we're talking 20 block types um i also i don't i, I didn't catch your your podcast uh where you were talking all the minecon earth stuff did you catch that there were sandstone walls being added 
I think that was something we talked about maybe after the fact, but yeah, we, uh, I think a lot of people, I think you included posted that screenshot of the, the redesigned village, the sandstone village. Mm -hmm. And you were like, boop, sandstone wall right there at the front, like across the, uh, across the front of it and either side of the door frame. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can include a, a link to the, that image in the show notes, just in case anybody has missed out on that. But yeah, so that, that's potentially one of the things they're going to be, uh, going to be including in this this next and and it's unclear whether this is coming in the next update the one that we're getting before the holidays or if it's coming to the update where villagers and pillagers get introduced and kind of get updated so unclear messaging as usual from mo yang i feel like none of us should be surprised by this at this point well i mean this comes less than well i guess a little bit more than a week but it's like if you've got I mean, the direct quote is we've gone through all of the blocks in the game and after adding the slabs, etc., we want, there's probably going to be about 40 new blocks. So 40 new blocks, it sounds like that's including slab and stair variants of existing blocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stone stairs is one of them, so yay. But to me, it's like, if you know this now, unless you went through everything in the last 10 days, like you knew this at Minecon, how is this not something that you're just jumping up and down on stage and getting everybody hyped about at Minecon? I just, that, <laughs> that baffles me. Jeb just has to hold up a sign saying, and 40 new slabs, you know, <laughs> curtain. And that's the crowd it. goes wild. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, really though, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, the other small piece of news this week, which is probably a big piece of news for those of you guys who are into your coding, but it's not something that personally we know a great deal about, uh, is um, the devs have apparently published a bunch of Minecraft's code and made it open source uh, so that programmers can play with it, maybe use it in their own mods and maybe make improvements to the game in the sort of not too distant future without having to kind of hack them in. Um, there'll be more information about this in the show notes. And for those of you who are interested in this kind of stuff, please look it up because we want to go into depth about this, but A, not today. And B, I'm going to have to do some research to find out what on earth some of the words in this thing mean. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to um, apparently make the kind of command language, the sort of um, the way that commands are laid out in Minecraft, more accessible to people. And they plan to completely rewrite the rendering engine in an update that's supposed to be coming in in tune with 1.14 but again we don't know what 1.14 is so telling us that doesn't help but um yeah potentially the rendering engine is going to get a complete revamp and is going to be redesigned uh and i my my alternative translation is uh we're going to completely break optifine and all your shaders but then give you the code so you can fix them quicker (laughs) so uh who knows what we're going to see from that but uh hopefully some some intelligent people some people smarter than i will be able to do some really cool stuff with it yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tiskin and Pepin in our Discord chat. Um, we didn't get into too much detail, but they kind of quickly broke it down when we posted it in, in there. And it uh, it made sense to me kind of on the surface of like, okay, I, I kind of understand how how a programmer uh, would, uh, would approach that, right? Mm-hmm. So with that out of the way, I think it's probably time to dig in. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a guest here and we... We, we have our community has exploded in the last sort of few days of people sending us emails and asking us to get through questions and we we may not quite get to everybody's questions here because uh, we're trying not to keep wells for longer than an hour but obviously we've got quite a bit of stuff to uh, to cover here so thank you to everybody who sent in your questions and we hope to get to a few of them so I wanted to start off um, so all three of us I'd say are probably Ident- we we identify as builders. Um, I yeah. I, I think I think Wells out of all of us is probably the most accomplished builder. I think it's fair to say that. Sorry, Joel. 
Um, <laughs> oh, hey, no, no offense taken. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to know what drew drew you to building in the first place, Wells. What do you find like fulfilling about building? Well, I'm not smart enough to do technical stuff, so I mean that didn't leave me a whole lot of options. Um, no, I'm. Uh, I think really what it is. I've I've always been a fairly kind of creative person, um, and that was just kind of. Uh, what what interested me you know I, I i was one of those kids probably like a lot of builders in minecraft i played with legos like i had i still have my lego collection from when i was a kid it's sitting in a in like a storage tote in my basement right now mm-hmm. nice. uh, you know and uh i remember when i first kind of started playing minecraft um i was looking at you know, tutorials and things. Because back then there was no, uh, it was the wiki. You learned Minecraft through the wiki and through uh, watching YouTube videos. There wasn't this convenient crafting recipe that, the, you know, the, that the kids have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and, when, did, uh, when did you start playing Minecraft? Just out of curiosity, we haven't... Uh... Uh, right, uh, I started playing right around the time that pre-releases for 1.8 right, were coming okay. out. So that was like... August-ish of 2015, I believe. Yeah, you, you must have, you must have started basically just before I did, at least on PC, because I think I was only I, I joined PC Minecraft when 1.8 came out. Yeah, yeah, right around that time, which is also right around the time my YouTube channel started. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that that's the point at which we got banners and rabbits and. I'm trying to think what else was in that update. A lot of the the stones. Yeah, uh, yeah, the decorative diorite and granite. Yeah, those were added in one point. And it's taken so. us this long to get stairs. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I mean, really. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. So, so that you know, so, and they can keep the diorite and the granite stairs, but give me my andesite <laughs> stairs. It's all I've been asking for. For anyway, I digress. Yes. So you um, were you were you were learning Minecraft through the wiki and through the occasional tutorial video at that point. Yeah, and I was watching tutorials and I fell across uh, you know, some of the the great builders, um, good times with Scar, B double O, Corrales, etc. And kind of saw the uh, the potential of of what someone who was pretty good at building could do, and I was like, wow. I understand now why people like this game and I, you know, kind of fell into building and then, and I'm also one of those kind of obsessive people that once I decide I want to focus on something, I go all in. So it goes from, you know, I see people building cool things. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I want to do that. So I go from that to the next day I'm looking at, you know, uh, researching architectural styles and, uh, block palettes and like all this crazy stuff that um you know kind of leads to eventually becoming a good builder and i was a terrible builder um, <laughs> I, think, I think time, we all were i think we all were. you know i mean my my first house i will say i have never built a dirt house ever uh in as long as i've been playing minecraft i have never built a dirt house that is um, a proud my, claim yeah <laughs> yeah my my early houses were nothing special um but you know now after building and building and building for years uh now i'm i'd like i'd like to think at least competent i i um, I'm, i think it's fair to say you built some pretty special houses now i've built a few yeah i i do honestly think that i'm kind of overrated as a builder <laughs> i think i think people give me a little bit more credit than i deserve uh from time to time but uh you know cuz 
the 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 running joke is that you know oh this is generic Wells Night House number four oh. <laughs> you know the starter house for this series uh, etc you know because I'm there's like a couple of styles that I'm very good at and very comfortable at um, but I'm that's I, I'm like a I'm like a one trick pony as the saying goes I I feel know? like that's it's one of the things that makes Minecraft accessible to new players though is having something that seems like almost like a set that you've put together from different component parts and if it's if it's built with like accessible materials like we, we were chatting a little bit before the show and you were like well i mainly build with just stone and wood and th those are the materials that you get basically from the very beginning of minecraft so if you specialize in building stuff like that you're always going to have those resources available to you right it's like modern mm -hmm. modern builders struggle all the time to get hold of hardened clay and concrete and the stuff that you really have to grind for meanwhile you're building castles out of you know, basically what you can dig up from anywhere else in the world. So if mm -hmm. there's a, if there's a style to specialize in, you've you've chosen one that's uh, that's that's going to be bountiful basically everywhere you go. For sure. And I think that the blocks that are actually in Minecraft uh, really lend themselves to like a kind of medieval fantasy style. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, There's just not even even with the addition of like concrete and stuff, there's just not really that much modern textures yeah like people um, people struggle to build anything kind of industrial looking as well i feel like that's one yeah, of the, in, the first sets of blocks that gets added in like mod packs and stuff is factory blocks yeah industrial contemporary i guess would be a better way to say it than modern mm -hmm. yeah because there's a lot of, yeah. uh, of blocks that lend themselves to to you know what the what would be officially classified as modern architecture um but when you talk classical or, or uh, I'm sorry, contemporary architecture, stuff like suburban, uh, stuff like that. Think, think like the houses that you would see as you're walking down your local neighborhood street, mm -hmm. you know? Well, we really don't have anything that makes good siding. <laughs> yeah. Yes, at we, all. Mm -hmm. don't there, have there's the kind nothing. Of, the contemporary <laughs> suburban house is, is right. missing from Minecraft. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, this is an entire style of architecture that is very, very hard to do in Minecraft. Um, cause you can use concrete, but that doesn't quite look right. You can use, uh, wood, but that doesn't quite look right. You know, there's, there's really nothing that looks like siding. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, but then again, you look at like medieval, um, or rustic or something like that. The blocks in Minecraft lend themselves very well to those styles because you've got all the different types of woods. You got the stones, you got the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think too, that even just the world that they've created in Minecraft, like swords, axes, zombies, skeletons. Like it, it does kind of push you in into that fantasy mindset. Mm -hmm. yeah. Agree. Not not have not having you know a later technological tree that opens up that gives you more modern weaponry. Like nobody's making guns in Minecraft, and possibly for the better, <laughs> considering that gunplay on servers tends to, I don't know, it, t it tends to limit the creativity a little bit, I find, kind of because later on everyone's just too busy taking pot shots at each other to go, hey, how about we build something now, you know? Mm -hmm. but, um, you, you mentioned collecting research images before for, for sort of architectural styles and stuff. How much of that do you still do now? Are you, are you confident enough in your kind of builder's tool set that you've worked up by playing Minecraft for several years that you can just kind of you know, build up a castle from nothing without doing too much research? Really depends on the build. Um, I think if it was something 
I could probably build I mean I could certainly build like a like a medieval house or something like that without looking anything up. Mm-hmm. Um I could probably build a castle without looking anything up. Um but then you get into some styles that I might be a little bit more unfamiliar with like industrial or uh some of this other kind of things. I might look that up or I might just look up uh research images just for kind of some inspiration, you know. Um I might want to build uh, what would be a good example? Here's a great example. Uh, my single-player world, Kingdoms. Um, I recently built a uh, a new Hall of Patrons for all the people that support me on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And I actually loosely modeled it after the United States Capitol building. Right, okay. So, uh, lo- so lo- lots of lo- nice, easy-to-get reference images online for that, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, it doesn't... The final product really looks nothing like the Capitol building as far as the, the materials used and stuff like that. You can't really look at it and go, oh, that was inspired by the Capitol building. But looking at kind of the general shape, it's got a dome, it's got the two wings that kind of stick out to the, you know, the, the east wing and the west wing or whatever that kind of go out on either side. It's relatively flat except for the dome in the middle. Like that, that general shape is kind of where I took the inspiration. Um, so I'll do that every now and again. I'll look up something, not necessarily because I, I'm trying to figure out like how to build it, but just kind of looking for ideas. Like, right, right. You're what not, would be an interesting shape to build today? You're, you're not you know? copying it like block for block, but you're kind of going, okay, we'll get some inspiration for this and just nudge you in the right direction to build something that's, you know, the vision for it is a little bit more in your head and you just need a, a reference image to bring it out kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, I find that I'm very organized with with minecraft it kind of drives me into straight lines and and circles and squares and rectangles and triangles and things like that and i find that looking up reference often shows me like oh here's something that looks a little even though it's a castle or even though it's it's a building it looks a little bit more organic or random and i usually find that reference and stuff like that pushes me to be more outside of my comfort zone yeah, I think the uh, the trap we fall into in building in Minecraft is always to do symmetrical because it, you know, you, you just build one half of it and you're like, okay, I'll build the other half exactly the same. Whereas right. structures yeah. in real life, either because of, you know, geography and topography of the area they're built or something like that, rarely work out like that. Like I, I would struggle to find a symmetrical building looking around my own neighborhood. Yeah, and when you're taking a photo, if you're creating a scene, you're creating an environment to walk through, the last thing you want is a completely symmetrical neighborhood. Like, you, you yeah. want some diversity, the left and right. You don't even want to center the shot. You know, you want things in thirds or whatever. Uh, I know that you mentioned that you've always been a creative person, Wells. Are you are you into art or doing any other kind of creative stuff outside of Minecraft? Um, I am into music to an extent. Um, I but And I used to draw. Uh, I'm not capable <laughs> at all i'm terrible at it uh but i used to draw when i was when i was like growing up and stuff uh badly um but uh the big thing for me from a creative perspective was writing i was uh i was a writer um and i was uh before i got into doing youtube full-time i was uh, an english education major at a uh, university oh, cool uh, so i i did a lot of a lot of creative writing a lot of um Stuff along those lines. Does stuff like so that feed into what you build in Minecraft now? Do you kind of like think of a, is it following a story, the kind of stuff you build now? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I find it's a lot easier to build. I mean, usually when I'm building something uh, in survival, at least I'm focusing not necessarily on one specific build, but on like an area. 
mm-hmm. as a whole, right? A whole little town or a whole little village or a whole little whatever. Um, and I find it's it's a lot easier to kind of stay inspired when you kind of come up like with a story, even if it's just a story that's in your head that you never actually share with anybody. Um, because you're you're thinking, okay, well, I've got this village and this village uh what what kind of people live here well it's people like this and they live in they this is their level of technology so they live in uh you know wooden houses and they have fire for food and cooking and things okay so there's that how do they uh how do they make money uh well they're fishermen okay well now we know we need to build docks and we got to build boats and all this other kind of stuff okay well what what else do they do well they raise livestock okay so now we got to build fields and you know it's uh, like it's a way to kind of um give yourself ideas you're thinking up uh kind of a story and it doesn't have to be anything like super super in depth you know you're not saying well right here this is bill's house and he's married to susie and <laughs> yeah, they sure. have two you know you're not thinking anything super super in depth but just kind of like a general concept uh um, and like a, a general lore and backstory um can really kind of help you think up ideas and stay inspired and and kind of direct your your progress as you build, you know, what you build next and what comes after that and and why you're building any number of different things. So that helps uh, a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Something that you mentioned about, you know, the world building and and the story stuff, Wells, uh, do you spend just as much time like in creative worlds and, and like re- like planning in Minecraft before you do big builds or... I mean, I know you have got some houses that you said you can kind of build and they're like a, a cookie cutter Wells Night House number four. But when you're doing something that you've not done before, do you tend to build it like a few times over in creative or do you just kind of wing it? Uh, kind of somewhere in between. Uh, so, I mean, if it's going to be a very large build, I'll usually do kind of like, I guess you'd call it like a sketch in creative mode where I'm right. not uh, I'm not doing like every little minor detail. And the goal is not to copy it block for block later into survival, but it's right. more like more like, you know, I'll lay out like a wireframe so I can get kind of the idea of the basic shape, maybe pick out a block palette, do a couple of the, you know, OK, the main entrance is going to go here, stuff like that, because it's sort of like a basic concept, a proof of concept sketch, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it's rare that I will fully plan something in creative mode before I build it in survival. Um, the exception to that being anything technical, if I'm doing, right. uh, uh, unless I'm copying a tutorial, if I'm, if I'm like creating something on my own, that's technical in nature, like redstone or whatever, I am absolutely building that in uh creative mode, probably three times <laughs> before I try to yeah. copy it into survival. For well, sure. it just it's, it saves you so much time because that those kind of components tend to be so tricky to place, you know, in survival versus flying around in creative and you're able to float around a block and go underneath something and, you know, just poke something to remove it and place it. Yep. And yeah, no, I, I, I do the same thing with technical stuff. When I do creative stuff, I tend to make pieces of a build. Like if I know that a build like a church or a tunnel or something like I do a segment just to kind of figure out a block palette or something. And then I was like, all right, well, this is going to be 20 segments long. I don't need to do that in creative or, you know, kind of mull things over. Um, I I was listening to a, 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 a YouTube video with Scar actually. And and he was saying that he builds stuff like three or four times over, but not copying it. He'll build it and then rebuild it from memory Mm -hmm. and then see what things he just naturally iterates 
you know, as he thinks, oh, I could handle this shape differently or I could handle that shape differently. I thought that was interesting, but I thought like, man, I don't want to build things four times over. Like I, twice is my limit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you ever get frustrated with, with stuff like that where you've got to, you've done something where you have to then tear it down for like a third time or you have to adjust it again? And do you ever move on or do you always try to get things just so before you move on to the next stage of, of a village or, or whatever your project I, is? There have absolutely been times when I've built something and then I'm like, wait, is this really six blocks instead of seven? <laughs> Are you actually, I just built this 30 block tall wall and it's seven, it's six blocks out instead of seven. Like I, oh, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it happens to all of us. You know, you yeah. miscount a block or you or you think something looks you're like, oh, yeah, this looks really good. And then you start getting into the build a little bit farther and you're like, ooh, I really should have made this a tooth, uh, a too thick wall instead of one because of this thing that I didn't think about before when I was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, like it happens uh, it, and it's just part of the process. And I think there are certainly times when I'm just like. Whatever. This is how it's going to stay. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what? Nobody's going to no, no one will be harmed by the fact that this wall is out six blocks instead of seven. It's OK. I'm just going to roll with it because I really don't feel like spending the next four hours of my life rebuilding this stupid. Yeah, wall yeah, yeah, right. It's, you know, it's got to be a very time consuming uh, process as well. I mean, Minecraft in general is. But yeah, if you if you're kind of like you want to cut your losses at a certain point and just uh, yeah. just kind of get on with it, which which actually ties into a question we got from one of our Discord community. This is um from Anagram wanted to know um how you kind of manage your time between kind of like your screen time and your private life. Like how do you kind of when when you go over kind of time budget on a on a project, like how how do you kind of balance that out? Are you the type of person to like stay up all night if that's what it takes to get a build done, or are you kind of more disciplined with stuff like that? Um, I would say I have in the past been the kind of person that would not go to bed until the stuff was done. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, right. <laughs> my 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 body cannot handle all-nighters like it used to <laughs> you know um so yeah it just depends I, I think um i i probably don't do as good of a job of of managing my time uh as i should um i should probably spend significantly more time with my wife than i do for example <laughs> Um, I feel like I, I feel I like get, all, all all our partners say that. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, what? I get uh, I get tunnel vision on something. You know, like I'll I'll start working for the day. I'll go into my office. I'll shut the door and I'll start working on videos or whatever. And and that's that's my focus. Like, and that's that's all I'm focused on until they're done. And maybe they're done within you know five or six hours of me starting. And maybe they're not done until sixteen hours later. And my wife will like pop into my office after. 12 hours and be like, are you still alive? And I'll be like, yep, I'm still alive. Please get out of my office so I can keep working. You know, <laughs> like, um, I think it just, it really depends. And a lot of it also kind of depends on like how, how inspired I am. You know, if I'm feeling very, very inspired, I'm a lot more likely to stay up all night and make sure that something gets done. Sure. Um, so before you're, you're, you're staying up, you're staying up because the, the creative juices are flowing rather than staying up because something's frustrating you and you can't quite get a build right. Yeah, if I can't quite uh, if I can't quite get something right, if I'm getting frustrated or something, 
uh, it's far more likely that I'll just sleep on it, mm-hmm. um, which can really help. You know, sometimes you come back the next day after sleeping on it and you're like, oh, you know what we could do is I could just like take this wall and do this. And then suddenly, ta-da, everything works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes, sometimes you need to kind of step away and, and you know, kind of take a break and, um, and come back to it with kind of a fresh set of eyes. I think too, staying up late is, is where you end up in those situations where you've, you're just like, well, whatever, I just have to get this wall done. And that's when you wake up the next day and it's like, it's six blocks instead of seven. And had you gone to bed and looked at it in the morning, you would have realized, oh good, I'm glad I did that because I would have noticed (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that I, you know, I, I didn't, I don't make those mistakes. I noticed that in my artwork. Like I, I don't work late at night. I, I have a a big push in my, in my kind of mid afternoon where I can, I can work well into past regular dinner time like i'll eat dinner late like 8 or 9 p.m but if i go back into the studio to do any work it can't be late because like you said like i just i can't stay up that late and still be creative and have it be quality and i just end up redoing it in the morning and i've found that actually with minecraft like if i go and build something and i start something late at night i end up with just a bunch of redos or a bunch of stuff i want to change change in the morning uh, one thing I wanted to ask you when you are getting into the studio and, and doing your videos, are you going into the studio in the morning having recorded all of your clips the day before, or are you going in with a fresh slate, you know, first thing with a cup of coffee saying, okay, this is what I have to do in Minecraft today. I have to start by recording clips and editing. And so what, what is your process linear or do you kind of bounce around a little bit more? So basically here the, the routine is, so I have a, I have a Outlook calendar, right? And my Outlook calendar basically has, all right, Tuesday, I've got uh, these two videos on the second channel and these two videos on the main channel coming out or whatever, right? And it'll, you know, and all the Outlook calendar will say is like, Tuesday, Hermitcraft episode 41. Mm-hmm. That's all it'll say, right? So I know that, okay, well, I want to have these videos coming out every other day or, or whatever. So I'll look at the schedule and I'll go, okay, well, I need to record... Uh, an Isaac video for the second channel, a Hermitcraft video for the main channel, uh, and uh, a Total War video for the second channel, or whatever, right? And then I'll basically get my cup of coffee, and I'll say, all right, I'm going to record this first, and I'll record the the one video, and then I'll jump into the next one and the next one, and I'll basically record until I'm done with all my recording. Then I'll edit everything um, right then, and let it render, and then uh, either upload it, right after it's done rendering and let it upload overnight to be released the next day. Or ideally in a perfect world, I'd always be like a couple days ahead of schedule. So on Monday, I'm actually recording and editing and everything. My videos for Wednesday, right? That would be a perfect world. Um, that doesn't always work out because things happen like you get sick or, mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever. Um, but I, I, I almost, in fact, I never upload a video on the same day that I record it. I always am either rec- I'm always recording at least one day in advance. Uh, I'd prefer to be like two or three days in advance. Um, I think I think even managing one day in advance is like most YouTubers' dream because like I I know I'm recording stuff and I'm like this has to release today or like if I don't have a set schedule for it I at least want to get it out basically as soon as I'm done with it. So mm-hmm. you, you you've built up a bit of a backlog and that's that's kind of aspirational <laughs> I think for a lot of people. The- the difference that having one extra day being an uh, being one full day ahead of schedule the difference that, that makes is astronomical mm-hmm. because it allows you to upload while you're sleeping and render 
while you're sleeping. You get like Adobe Premiere with batch rendering, so you can render three videos one after the other in a queue, and you're golden. That means that I like it saves so many so much time out of your day if you don't have to sit there and wait for a video to render before you hit the upload button and go to bed. Like that alone saves me like three hours a day. Um, just being one full day ahead of schedule because I just let my videos render while I'm sleeping. I mean, my computer's in paperweight mode then anyway. I'm not going to be recording anything while my computer is also rendering because I, I like recording actual like videos and not slideshows. Um, <laughs> you know, so just, be, just being able to render and then upload later, uh, you know, managing your time in that way so you can basically always be doing something even when you're sleeping, you're still doing something. Like that makes a huge difference for sure. Do you find uh, that you spend more time on the back end of the videos in terms of editing? I, I won't say necessarily rendering because, like you said, that's kind of paperweight mode. But like in terms of the post process, like recording clips and playing Minecraft is one thing, but then the other post production stuff is it, is it a balance or do you spend more time in game than not? I spend far more time in game, without a doubt. Um, I do pretty minimal editing i I mean i i can edit <laughs> i if i want to make a super edited video i'm capable of doing it i just think that for the way like the way that i will record a video <clears throat> excuse me is i will uh, i'll basically record like a five minute clip that's like hey this is what we're doing today here's the plan right and then i'll uh make and then i'll stop recording and I'll do a bunch of stuff and then I'll record another clip and then I'll, and so on and so forth. So at the end of the day, I've got seven clips that are all four minutes long or whatever. Right. So my editing is basically just taking those clips and putting them together just one after the other. You know, this one followed by this one followed. By, like I, I can edit a video in like five minutes uh, because right. I just it's very minimal. You know, I add a little swoosh effect and I add a little bit of intro music and a little background music and that's about it. I imagine part of that that style of editing is also what helps you keep like a, a steady workflow and keep a day ahead because I know mm -hmm. that like if I've got some sort of vision for a video where I've got like a, a, a couple of links beforehand, I've got like a collab in there that I want to edit down a little bit. Maybe I wasn't too happy with my monologue, my commentary, and I want to kind of cut out some sections where I felt kind of awkward. And then I've got a time lapse and I want to shoot that time lapse kind of to music and that's all going into one video. I can take you know, an hour or two to edit one video that's going to go up, you know, later yeah. that day. And and at that point, I'm, I'm pushing myself further and further back in the schedule. So yep, I imagine keeping, sure. and, keeping things simple and, can be a huge advantage. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I have been known to do more edited stuff where I, you know, but sometimes I, I'm like, all right, I'll record a clip. It'll be a four minute clip. And then I'm done recording that clip and it's a 30 minute clip. I'm like, holy cow, what happened? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's got to get cut down because I'm not going to put out an hour and a half long video. So I, I still will do some editing from time to time, but uh, the vast majority of it is is pretty minimal editing. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that, you know, like you said, you know, you you've got you, you spend an hour editing and then you got to wait for the video to render and then you're uploading it for the same day. Like that pushes into a territory where you're like, man, this is the, the time. There's just not enough hours in the day. So. Um, doing it a little bit in advance makes a makes a huge difference with that. That's why I, I just have a rule that I I never upload on the same day that I'm recording a video. It always goes out for the next day at least, um, if not farther. 
uh, the other thing too is that when you're when you're talking about like that that minimal editing um it it does make uh, a pretty significant difference when you're talking about like you've you've got your clips and you put them together and all this other kind of stuff um and I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I had a, there was a thought, it was in there, and it was a great thought, and now it's gone. We'll see, we'll know. see if, we'll see if we edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or if that, or if that's just going to be like, well, no, this, that, that was clip number seven. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, that stays. I'm, I was, I was uh, rambling, hoping that the thought would return to me, and then it didn't. No worries. And I don't recall. Hmm. I, I've I, I've got I've got us an in, so I'll, I'll bring us back in. So if you're recording at a very specific time of day, you seem to have quite a rigid routine. How does that hmm. How does that get adapted? I remember. Okay, I remember it. what it was. It has <laughs> returned to me. <laughs> well, now I've most, got to edit all of this in. Hashtag most professional podcast ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that when I'm editing, you know, some people will go through their entire video and they'll be like, man, I don't like that I coughed at this one part. You know, and they'll edit out the cough. Or or they'll maybe be like, ah, I don't like the way that I phrased this one thing. I'm going to re-record that whole clip, stuff like that. For me, part of it is just accepting that, like, there's going to be a couple mistakes here and there. You know, maybe I will have a cough in the video at one point. Maybe at one point I'll say something and I don't say it in the way that's the most clear it possibly could be. But like, I, I've just accepted that when you have thousands and thousands, uh, literally thousands, I've, I've, I think I have at this point like 1,500, 2,000 videos on YouTube, something like that. And, and I've just accepted that when you have that much content, when there's such a volume of content... Some videos are going to be better than others, you know? You're going to have some clips that are better than others. And I just kind of roll with it. Uh, and I think I think that also makes a huge difference as well. I'm not really focusing too much on making sure that absolutely every little detail of every single video is perfect versus just being like, all right, I, I have a video that needs to get done. I got to get that video out. I'll record the clips. As long as I'm happy with my overall progress in the video uh, and I didn't say something that would horribly offend people, then it's good. You know, and I just leave it at that. I want, I want to, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that you not only made that point, but you also illustrated that point, <laughs> because because now all of this is going to end up going into the podcast. So you're like, well, we record live to hard drive here at Wells Night, so that's fine. And it's like, well, that's exactly we're <laughs> that's doing it live, masterclass, we do it live right there. <laughs> and I think in in a lot of ways, uh, people appreciate that about about my content. You know, I have, uh, I have fairly long form. Well, I have longer clips than a lot of other people. Uh, and I think it makes it kind of a little bit more of like a, a relaxed sort of vibe. Sure. You know what I mean? It's a lot, it's a lot more kind of relatable and, and kind of chill. And it I, keeps, things, keeps say, things honest as well. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I think people for the most part kind of understand that like with me what you see is what you get you know i'm i'm not a i'm not a different person um off camera or i, I don't edit my videos to portray myself in a way that's different than i am uh, mm. i don't play a character or, or anything like that yeah it's all really accessible that's usually what i come away with you know having watched your videos for quite a while is that you know you, you certainly communicate that you know you're an accessible guy you play the game in a way that it shows your knowledge of the game, but the but and your and your 
you know, skills as a builder, but it also is really accessible to everybody. Going right back to what Pixel Riff said earlier, but like even the materials that you're using, like someone can come in and say like, well, I can get stone and wood easy enough. Wells can do this. That means I can too. And I think that's how you build, you know, really good fans is that when you're creating an environment that allows them to kind of be on that level or not feel like you're just so distant away. It's, it's the difference between, you know, I'm going to use something that I'm quite familiar with, which is web comics and podcasting compared to Hollywood celebrities, you know, radio people, you know, like we all feel a lot closer to, to folks that podcast or folks that, you know, you can actually talk to web comics people, you can tweet them. Whereas, you know, when I was a kid trying to talk to an animator at Disney, like you just, you, it was just such this, such a long way away, you know, whereas now like you can reach out and really communicate with people. And I think that makes a, a world of difference. Yeah. Um, I think accessible is a, a great way of describing it. I think that's a, that's a perfect word for it. So with your work, you know, uh, putting all this time into your single player worlds and, and developing, you know, your, your videos, how does that kind of translate into becoming a member of Hermitcraft? Like, how did you end up on the Hermitcraft server? Well, uh, let's see. So I, it actually goes back to when I first started YouTube. So started YouTube in September of 2015. I think 2014. It'd be 2014 if you started around the same time as I did, because I started my channel in November of 2014. Yeah, so. you're correct. September yeah. of 2014 is when I started. So I, I started, I was focusing on Minecraft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, I, uh, within the next couple months, I uh, had been watching a lot of Scar, Good Times with Scar, who is also a member of the Hermitcraft server. Uh, and I started talking with him in stream and kind of off stream and stuff like that. And we just kind of became friends. And I started playing on a modded server with Good Times with Scar, right? Called Stud Tech. This was years ago. And it was like me, him, and two other people or something like that. It wasn't a big server. It was a, a, just a small handful of this. Uh, the guy who was running that server kind of uh, vanished from the internet because he got a girlfriend and a focus on a job or, or something real ha life stuff basically. it happens to the best of us yeah so uh <laughs> at that point there was nobody to kind of manage the mod pack and manage the server so i'm like hey i'll do that so i started doing that and scar and i continued to play and, and become friends and on and on went so this went on for like another i don't know maybe six months to a year something like that and uh i get a message from this guy that i've never heard of called iskal uh, and I'm like, and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm part of this, this vanilla group. Um, we've kind of stumbled across some of your videos. We think you'd be a good, uh, a big hit or you, we think you'd be a good fit, I guess would be a better way of saying it. And it would be great if, uh, you would consider joining us. So I'm like, well, sure. Uh, that sounds fun. So I joined this, uh, vanilla server called kingdom craft and members of kingdom craft uh, it was myself. It was Iskull. There was this guy called Python. Uh, there was this guy called Cubfan. Uh, there was this girl called Stress Monster. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple of people. Um, but long story short, I played with them for a little while. I'm like, hey, you know who'd be a great fit for this? This super build-focused vanilla server. You should invite this guy called Good Times Scar. 
And they looked at Scar and took one look at his content and his builds and said, great plan. Let's get him. So <laughs> Scar joined us as well. And then Python got invited to join Hermitcraft. And uh, maybe four to six months later or something like that, basically everyone who was a part of Kingdomcraft uh, got invited to join Hermitcraft. Uh, well, for the most part, They're, everyone who is active on Kingdomcraft, because we had a couple people that were like uh, uh, whitelisted on the server, but didn't really do anything. Um, they had, you know, stopped playing or whatever. And then there was Stress Monster, who was definitely active, um, but was not in, uh, invited immediately. And I wasn't part of the discussions, obviously, to invite us or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but presumably... Uh, stress just wasn't invited at that time because they were already inviting like five other people and they didn't want to invite like literally everybody. Um, <laughs> they want to like poach that, everybody from this one server. Yeah, that, that's essentially my impression of of why she wasn't. But I, I don't know for sure. I can't speak to that because I wasn't there for those conversations. Sure. Um, but, but she eventually got invited later because then after all of us Kingdom Crackers joined Hermitcraft, when the next season came, we're like, hey, we should totally get Stress because she should have been here a year ago when the rest of us joined. Uh, and then Stress was invited as well. So um, and that's basically how I ended up on Hermitcraft, because, I mean, it was, I, I started I became friends with Scar. Um, Iskull p- pinged me and, and invited me to join Kingdom Craft. I then said, hey, you should also invite Scar to Kingdomcraft, and then basically Kingdomcraft as an entire server was pretty much invited to become part of Hermitcraft. Hermitcraft always comes across to me like a the Minecraft equivalent of like a supergroup. You know when like all, all of the band members from every band ever get together to record like a charity hit, except in this case they stay together and record like 17 albums, I guess, <laughs> in this analogy. It kind of mm-hmm. breaks down quite quickly. But yeah, it it definitely feels like over the years Hermitcraft has just kind of cherry-picked people who are really active on multiplayer servers, have a great dynamic with other people on those servers, and are good at kind of collabs and understand the dynamic that takes place on a server. So everyone's kind of quite interactive and there's pranks and stuff that go on and it always feels like you guys have a very kind of close-knit community would you say that's accurate like do you you feel like you have quite a close relationship with some of the other people on hermitcraft yeah absolutely uh for sure i mean obviously some people know each other better than others you know you've got uh like tango and impulse are like inseparable you know (laughs) the dynamic duo um so and obviously tango knows impulse better than i know impulse Mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't say there's uh, you know everyone knows each other at least on like a uh, a cordial level you know we would all consider each other to be friends Mm -hmm. uh and i mean you've got your your smaller groups kind of within the larger group as a whole but yeah absolutely we've got a a great dynamic everyone everyone is friendly everyone kind of knows where the line is uh, that you that you don't cross, and we all kind of have the same general goals in mind, and uh, I think it works out really well. I imagine um, I that's, think there's... that's quite important as well to a multiplayer server to set kind of boundaries because pranks occasionally can be taken too far, and I feel like on YouTube maybe the dynamic is slightly different because you all kind of know that you're in it to make content, and so it's never going to come across as malicious if somebody does something because they're they're not doing it for the sake of it; they're doing it for a a, a video reaction or something like that or they're doing it for content for their own thing which then feeds into content for you so it, it all feels like kind of the circle of life as it were yeah ultimately the goal is to is to create content to entertain the the hermitcraft audience right 
Um, mm-hmm. And and I think kind of as a result of that, there's some things that we that we would do that would probably cross the line on a on a typical <laughs> public multiplayer server, like, like the the convex cathedral prank from season <laughs> five would be an example. I was right? wondering if the cathedral was going to come up. Like yeah, it... yeah, like. The cathedral. It was a great prank. You know, it, it mm-hmm. kind of, I admit, it did kind of kill my, uh, my idea, my, my, my creative streak that I had been on at the time. Cause I was like, cause that's what I had been focusing on. And then the, the prank happened. I was like, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now now thought, this is going to have to stay here for a while so that everybody yeah, else I, can. I, yeah. But I, I, I wasn't, you know, upset about it or anything like that because the, I knew that it was a, a good prank and it was, uh, entertaining for the audience involved. And that's the big thing. Um, but at the same time, like when, when we're talking about people becoming part of Hermitcraft, like there's a certain level of professionalism that we expect Mm -hmm. and, and people don't get invited to become part of Hermitcraft unless they have demonstrated that they have that level of professionalism. Um, you know what I mean? Like. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that we look at when we're talking about potentially, uh, inviting someone to join the group. Uh, some of it's the type of content, some of it's their relationships with people already in the group. Some of it's like their professionalism and their maturity. And it's just a whole bunch of different stuff we look at, but, um, yeah, I I mean, we're, we don't really have to lay down specific written rules because everyone kind of just knows wh- where those rules are. You know what I mean? P- people kind of just know like what crosses a line and what doesn't. Sure. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a an uh, the unspoken sort of gentleman's rule of things. And yeah, th- there's a certain level of maturity it takes. I think because you're all pretty much you're definitely adults on the Hermitcraft server. You're all a certain level of maturity, and you understand like it's it's almost the same kind of stuff that you would apply in a social situation in like a workplace you know you don't kind of make inappropriate references in a workplace you know stuff like that doesn't happen on the server as well and especially because you know even just kind of joking around in chat you never know who's recording you know there's just a Mm -hmm. certain level of like implicit politeness i think that goes on that maybe some people watching kind of take for granted but it really must take a lot of you know cooperation and mutual respect and good vibes to keep a server like that going for as long as it has. Yeah, I mean the the big rule is is just kind of the golden rule of playing together, and that's don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, for that's sure. really all it boils down to. And it definitely helps that everyone on the server is an adult. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure Mumbo is the youngest member, and he's in his like early twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't have anyone uh, that's 13 years old. Um, running around in the server and doing whatever pops into their head, you know, and that makes a that makes a difference for sure. Everyone has a, a certain level of maturity and uh, and kind of knows where the line is. So, um, yeah, absolutely. There's a certain level of respect. There's a certain level of maturity. Um, and most of the most of the rules, uh, we really don't have any written rules. It's just kind of the general, you know, use common sense and don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's really all all we need because everyone's got that level of maturity already. For sure. Um, do you feel like being a member of Hermitcraft has had an impact on how you play? Are you like inspired by the people who are building stuff around you to up your game? Or do you feel like you're approaching things? I mean, Kingdomcraft might play into this a little bit as well, seeing as that's a, another kind of building community that you joined. How Do you feel like you approach things differently on a multiplayer server when you're surrounded by other people's builds than you would in a single player world? Or are you more just doing your own thing? Um... 
I think playing on a multiplayer server like Kingdom Craft and Hermitcraft has certainly made me a better builder. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I would necessarily say that I play multiplayer that differently. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to compare like kingdoms to Hermitcraft <laughs> and yeah. think like, is there anything that I've built on Hermitcraft that I wouldn't build in kingdoms or vice versa? And I don't think I don't think I, I really play them differently as far as like what I would build. But I would definitely say that playing on Hermitcraft, Kingdomcraft, multiplayer, build focused multiplayer servers has absolutely made me a better builder and has definitely made me up my Minecraft game as a whole. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can be running around the world and you'll see something. You'll see the the tree that Scar built and you're like. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, wow. I never thought about using those blocks in that way. And then suddenly you've you've picked up this new like tip that you can implement into your own builds later on. You know, so I think uh, it has certainly made me a better player uh, and a better content creator as a whole. I don't know if I necessarily play Hermitcraft any differently than I play single player i mean obviously there's the community aspect of it right you don't do multiplayer stuff in a single player world there's nobody so to anytime. prank on single player <laughs> right right like obviously there's some some differences in that way but as far as uh, like scale and stuff like that goes i i don't think i really uh play multiplayer any differently than i play single player from like a a, a scope of the project sure. size type perspective um, i just think that overall playing on a uh, on a server like hermitcraft has made me a better builder and player mm -hmm. overall what do you think are some of the uh the challenges of playing on a server the size of hermitcraft uh lag can definitely be one <laughs> yeah um i mean you know you get the thing with hermitcraft is hermitcraft very much has kind of a big a go bigger go home type of attitude right yeah. and we've got like <laughs> we have roughly like 20 or 25 active members on the server I'd say maybe half of those people are are very technical. So then you get 12 people who are not just technical, but super technical, who all have I'm going to I'm not going to make an iron farm that produces a stack of iron an hour. I'm going to make an iron farm that produces a double chest of iron an hour. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even though I'm good, and I, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to be the only person using this farm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then you multiply that by 12 people. And that's where you're like, oh, okay, well, now we've got a little bit of server performance issues or you flip it over on the builders. Uh, we're not going to use one item frame. We're going to use 500 item frames. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> you know? guilty and of that one over here. Yeah, yes. exactly. I am too. You know, so that can, I mean, server performance can just be an issue. And I think it's because all of us are a uh, big Minecraft player. We, we, we come up with big ideas and we build big, massive, impressive things. And in many cases, those big, massive, impressive things are complete and total overkill. Uh, for <laughs> mm -hmm. for what they need to be, especially when it comes to farms. Um, so that can certainly be an issue. Um, I mean, obviously, you can run into some issues that are, most most of the issues you run into outside of server performance can just be solved with communication. Um, but right. that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes uh, someone will have a plan for something to be built in the shopping district 
And then somebody else will come in and build something in that exact spot because they didn't mark out, hey, I want to reserve this spot for my shop. You know, right. and nobody's really at fault there, but stuff like that'll happen. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, I think um, for the most part, the the biggest issue that comes from playing on a server like Hermitcraft, though, is just is just server performance stuff. And it doesn't help that 1.13 is not the most optimized of Minecraft versions, um, to put it lightly. Yeah, when 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 you've released an update of Minecraft that people are actively finding ways to kill fish to to try and like slim down the amount of lag they're experiencing on a server, then uh, something has gone wrong. <laughs> I yeah. Think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I've learned about being on a server is just to be more flexible. Like I'm a perfectionist when it comes to my own artwork, so naturally that kind of spilled over into being in Minecraft. And as the server grew and you know i have plans in my mind for what's going to happen in you know the citadel and dartmouth meadows the server that i play on um you know i'd imagine it, it's an, probably an exercise in flexibility to walk you know to be walking down your pristine you know medieval build and then realize oh there's a giant mustache that i can see on the hill okay yep <laughs> you just have to just <laughs> accept it and move on it's like that storyboard game of yes and it's like all right well how can we weave this into my medieval folklore <laughs> Yep. <laughs> oh, too funny. It's, it's, it's a fantasy world. The buildings spontaneously grow mustaches. There's no, <laughs> nothing wrong here. Well, well we t we've been talking a lot about uh, vanilla, and I, I want to kind of squeeze in one last little nod because I am a big fan of your Nature's Beauty series. And I am relatively new to modded Minecraft. I actually haven't been playing Minecraft for very long at all, only a little over a year. And I was wondering, like, do, you seem to have such a deep knowledge of modded Minecraft. Do you have any experience coding, like getting under the hood of the game? Or is this just from, from gameplay experience over the years? I have zero experience coding. Um, I, I couldn't code a hello world. Like, I, <laughs> I, know, I know nothing about that world at all. Um, but I do have a lot of experience with modded Minecraft from playing it uh, extensively, from watching it extensively. Uh, I, when it comes to modded Minecraft, a lot of mods are very similar. Um, like you learn one tech mod and you kind of know the basics of how just about every other tech mod. You know what I mean? You understand that this machine connects with this machine and then outputs to this thing. Or you understand that uh, this thing works like this thing does. And then it, it makes it a lot easier to kind of learn. Um, I also have a pretty significant amount of experience making my own mod packs. Uh, and most mod pack authors make it very easy to really kind of customize and tweak uh, the, the way that stuff is done within the mod pack to, to really kind of make it your own. Um, like mod pack config files uh, can be incredible for customizing an experience. Um, things like mind tweaker, or actually I think it's called craft tweaker now um, for kind of like creating your own custom recipes or changing the behavior of this or stuff like that. Like that can make such a huge difference um, when it comes to making your own stuff. And it's really not that hard to learn. Like there's a, there's a little bit of an initial learning curve but they all pretty much work in the same way when it comes to that kind of stuff. So once you figure out how to do it, you're pretty much good. And you can then do it from then on. 
Um, and, and yeah, as I said, most of that experience, I, I have zero coding knowledge, but the rest, of, but I mean, I've just done it enough over time now that yeah. I, I know how to create a mod pack or, or play modded Minecraft. Interesting. I didn't realize that the mod authors would make like an accessible syntax. Like they would have all the coding and stuff to do, but then they give you the person that downloads the mod pack, the ability to easily understand, you know, oh, I changed this particular thing and it outputs a result. Oh, you and, know, and X. Abs it, it is absolutely all, like all the credit needs to go to the mod authors for when it comes to modded Minecraft for the most part. Mm. Um, I, I mean, just about every like major mod is going to have a very big uh, customizable config file of some sort. So it'll be like, do you want to, you know, you're talking about like um, extra utilities. Do you want to have the angel ring in the game that gives you flight? True or false? Do you want to have an right. easy angel ring recipe? True or false? And you can just say uh, yes to this, no to this, yes to this, no to this. And then suddenly you've got this mod that tons of people have played with and are familiar with, but you've customized it and tweaked it in a way that fits the theme of the mod pack you've created. Nice. Um, and you can do the same with like crafting recipes. You're like, well, I want to have this item, but I don't like the crafting recipe as it stands. So I'm just going to change it and make it into this instead. And, and using those tools that mod authors have created for you uh, without any real knowledge of coding whatsoever, you can basically create a very kind of tailored and customized experience uh, yeah. and create and that's you know that's basically what nature's beauty is how long did it take you to put together the mod pack for nature's beauty uh which time <laughs> oh uh i guess the most recent i'm I, <laughs> i've got the the latest one i think the year yeah, latest release was something like so, january july or something like that yeah I, so nature's beauty um was i'd say a year but that's not really true I first worked on Nature's Beauty about a year before the mod pack eventually came out. And then I worked on it sparingly over the course of a long period of time. A little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, originally, Nature's Beauty was going to be a 1.10 mod pack. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, so I actually got it to the point where it was like, pretty much done and then the whole modded community start started shifting to 1.12 uh and i was like well yeah. <laughs> i guess i'll remake the whole thing in 1.12 and that's such so a I, heartbreaking thing as well because you don't want to be left behind if you think there is potential for people to really enjoy this you want to deliver it in the most like up-to-date version possible but then, yeah. yeah, you're leaving behind like six months to a year of progress on the mod pack at that point. Yeah, on and, off. and and what a lot of don't a lot of people don't realize about modded Minecraft is that you can't update a mod pack to a new version. Like mm -hmm. in vanilla, you're like, oh, well, I've got this 1.10 world and 1.12 is out now, so I'm just gonna update to 1.12. It doesn't work that way for modded. When you change versions, you break every mod within the pack. Uh, so you're, you're almost never going to be able to change like a 1.10 mod pack and take that world that you've created and update it to a new version. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, so you're basically talking remaking the entire mod pack from scratch when you're talking about switching versions. And that's basically what I had to do with Nature's Beauty. Is I, I had it as a 1.10 pack, um, and it was pretty much ready for release. And then I was like, you know what? 
I've been working on this forever, um, off and on. 1.12 is kind of where the modded community is headed now with all the changes and stuff that were made in 1.12 and with all the stuff that's going to be happening with 1.13, I think 1.12 is going to be the modded version for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to remake the whole thing in 1.12 and, and release it as a 1.12 mod pack, which is what I did. And once I actually set to that and I already had kind of a basic concept of what I wanted to do, it probably took me a couple weeks, maybe a month to to create the playable version that uh, in 1.12 and then I updated a little bit here and there fixed this fixed that tweaked this little little minor updates but uh but I'd say from the time that I made the decision to do a 1.12 pack uh and to the time that I released the first playable version of Nature's Beauty um I think that was probably like a couple weeks maybe a month tops Nice. Well, we're, we're getting close to the end of our time here, so I do want to wrap things up. But before we do, we did have a couple of questions from our community, which we wanted to get to. Uh, we got this one from Colin, who was asking, um, do you have time to watch any YouTube outside of Hermitcraft and like your immediate kind of community? What Are there any Minecrafters that you follow on YouTube outside of the Hermitcraft group? Um, there aren't many that I follow outside of Hermitcraft. I do have time to watch videos. Um, I usually watch videos while I am editing uh, mm-hmm. or or something like that. I've got a three monitor set up here. So I'll have whatever I'm working, you know, unless I'm actually like recording something, um, I'll have what I'm doing on my main monitor. And then I'll usually have a, a YouTube video playing on my second monitor, even if it's more for just like background noise than me, like actively watching it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so like when I'm grinding for resources or whatever, I'll, I'll be watching a video. Um, but outside of Hermitcraft members for Minecraft stuff, I really don't watch much. I, I do watch Jancy, uh, who's a good friend of mine. I do watch System Z, who is also a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll occasionally watch a little bit, you know, something will pop up in my feed and I'll be like, oh, that looks interesting. And I'll click on that. We'll maybe watch a, a Pixel Rifts video and lose half an hour of my life or something. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, for the most part, when I'm watching Minecraft stuff, it is, uh, it's either Hermitcraft members and I'm watching Hermitcraft videos, or sometimes I'll go back and I'll binge watch like old stuff. You know, I'll go back and watch like old episodes of Building with B00 or something like that from mm-hmm. way back when. But most of the, most of the the video watching that I do, I'm not really like actively watching the video. It's really more just kind of background noise while I multitask and do other stuff because it helps me kind of think and pass the time. It's kind of like listening to a podcast while you're doing menial stuff. Hey, that's you know? something our listeners can relate to, I think. And you've got yeah. you've got some some people there with some great voices. I mean, like B Double O System Z Jancy, they're all very listenable people and they've all got mm-hmm. pretty good like audio quality on their videos. So even if you're not watching what they're doing on the screen, then at least you've got some some pleasant background noise. Sounds Yeah. Sounds yeah, good. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and then as far as other YouTube stuff goes, I, I don't really have that much time to watch. I mean, there's all just watching Hermitcraft videos alone. Oh, is I can, a lot of time. I, I mean, can relate. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you watch way more than most people do, and you mm-hmm. watch them at double speed, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, it has been known when we're a little bit late on a deadline for writing a script, I do need to, uh, yeah, to speed I mean, them up occasionally. There's only so many hours in the day, you know, mm-hmm. like, and there's so much Hermitcraft content out there that it's it's hard to watch even just the Hermitcraft videos. Uh, so I don't watch nearly as much as I should 
but outside of that, uh, outside of Hermitcraft, I don't really watch that much Minecraft stuff on mm-hmm. on YouTube because most of the well, I, I shouldn't say that. There's some technical stuff that I'll watch every now and again as well. I'll watch like some Il Mango just to see just to be like amazed at whatever he came up with that oh, yeah. totally breaks Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need to know what the meta is as well. You need to know if like which farms are broken and like what COD are doing now and that kind of stuff. Like Ilmango is always kind of the one on the cutting edge of like, hey guys, this is probably something you need to know about Minecraft. Maybe not if you're trying to make this incredible farm, but also just because they've messed with some mechanics behind the scenes that they were never really that explicit about. And they've done enough digging through working on Psycraft that they've just come across this anyway. So Yeah, or just completely useless stuff that's just mind-blowing. Like, oh, by the yeah. way, I made this dead coral farm that produces 57,000 coral per hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, it, what? It's, 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 <laughs> like, it's like reading the Guinness Book of Records every day. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, so he he blows my mind. I mean, pretty much all the Psycraft people, honestly, are, are pretty mind-boggling to someone like me who's not technically inclined Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really watch too much Minecraft outside of outside of that. Um, cool. I think there's only so many hours in the day, and and just kind of keeping up with Hermitcraft because I try to not rely on the recap to know <laughs> what's going on on the server. Yeah, we're we're, <laughs> you know? we're yeah we're we're just as confusing as watching the regular videos. So I yeah, I don't well, I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean the the recap is a a, a relatively short video compared sure, to yeah. like you have to cut out so much stuff you miss little things here and there and i try yeah. to stay on track of you know stay on top of what's what's going on in hermitcraft on my own um but like there's it, it's it's easier said than done you know mm-hmm. yeah and and some, sometimes when you're watching through somebody's individual video you can come across a funny moment that maybe we didn't include in the recap but maybe that spawns the idea for like a whole new set of pranks just based on exactly. one thing that somebody said, right? So exactly for yeah. sure. Like, I mean, the recap it can only cover so much because the the video would just be if you covered every little like funny moment or whatever, like it would just take too long. <laughs> we'd be we'd be feature length at that point, yeah. I right? Think. Yeah. Exactly, and like <laughs> it, you know, you have to cut stuff out of the recap because that's the nature of the recap. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there sometimes I want to know that Cub is up to this thing uh, that you didn't cover in depth because you couldn't. Um, and I, but I'm, I'm interested in that. So maybe I want to watch it or, or whatever. For sure. Well, uh, one last question before we wrap up for today, and I'm going to read this one in full because it's from Cosmic Dancer and from her young daughter. Uh, so this was kind of a special thing where I, I couldn't help. It was just too cute not to read out in full. So, uh, it says when my daughter watched the last podcast, she heard you were taking questions for Wells, who is one of her favorite hermits. And she wrote down a question for him for me to email into the show. So here's her question. This is from Little Cosmic Dancer. And this is going to be your best daughter voice, right? (laughs) I think I I don't think I'm qualified to do the daughter voice right now. It's it's too too late in the evening for the daughter voice. All right. So here we go. Uh, Hi, Wells Knight. Uh, I want to first say that I love watching your videos on YouTube. You're one of my favorite hermits and I love your Kingdom series. I love playing Minecraft and one of my favorite things to do is building and... As I know you're a really good builder, I wanted to know what are your top three tips for planning and completing a good build in Minecraft? That is a wonderful question. Um, the three Ds. It's the three Ds of building. You've got design, which is essentially the shape of your build, the block palette, the things like that, right? It's like the, the big picture stuff. So you design your building, you pick out a shape, you pick out the blocks you're going to use, 
and make sure it all looks good on the the highest like overarching level design that's the first d the second d is depth right and make sure you don't have flat walls you make sure you have varying levels of depth within the build layers upon layers and that makes the build look considerably better than it would if you did not have depth and then finally the last d is detail and those are your little things like your landscaping or maybe you have uh uh, a little bit of texture variation, or maybe you add uh, flower pots, or maybe you add uh, whatever, right? Details. And it's all the little extra stuff to kind of make the build go the extra mile. So you three tips, there are three Ds. <laughs> Design, depth, detail. Those three things will take any build and make it better than it would be without them. Fantastic advice. And I think I've probably learned a little bit from that as well. So uh, <laughs> that is going to wrap up another episode of the Spawn Chunks, folks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about and the people we talked to at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. And with your help, we can continue to produce, evolve and expand the show. You can even send us questions on the occasions when we have guests in. And you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat we've had some exciting news this week our first goal our first kind of milestone goal on patreon has been met we are now making 25 dollars per show and we cannot thank you guys enough for that we've actually exceeded that goal and we're now making 29 uh, dollars per show um this has activated a discord minor role in our discord chat where we uh kind of celebrate the people who are able to donate a little bit more per show and they also get a credit on the website as well uh our next goal is at 50 dollars per show we're going to record kind of pre and post show banter you, you know joel and i often talk a little bit before and after the show so we're going to actually incorporate that into the patrons only rss feed once we reach that milestone goal one of the best ways that you can spread the word about the show is simply word of mouth. You can do that by poking a friend in the arm or maybe using social media. You can find us by name on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also use hashtags like Minecraft Podcast and The Spawn Chunks when you do that. If you'd like to email the show, you can send us a message at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. Thanks again for all of the awesome email. We're sorry we couldn't get to uh, everyone's questions for Wells this week, but man, there was a lot. And it was it was really, really cool to see the support and the community out in full for all that kind of stuff. Uh, for your subscriptions for the podcast, you can find us by name on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. As Pixel Riffs mentioned, there is an RSS feed on the Spawn Chunks Patreon page. There's also an RSS feed on the website. And I've not dug into it yet because we're getting ready to talk to Wells today. However, we've just heard that Spotify is doing some beta testing on uh, submitting podcasts uh, openly from RSS feeds to their service. I don't know the details yet. It is on our radar. I'm mentioning it because we probably get about one email a week asking about when we're going to put the show on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify is so, a popular platform, it turns out. Yeah, it's on our radar. It's on our radar. So just uh, hold tight. And if you have any information about podcasting on uh, Spotify, please do send that into the spawnchucks at gmail.com. I'd be happy to, to dig into it with you. Our guest today was Wells Knight. And Wells, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, do you want to remind the folks at home where they can find you and your videos? 
Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me, by the way. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, I will be happy to join you. Um, so, main YouTube channel is youtube.com slash wellsnightgaming. Second channel is youtube.com slash wellsafterdark. I also have Twitch, which is youtube.com slash wellsnight. And Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com, or it at wellsnightplays, because wellsnightgaming was too long. Uh, <laughs> And that's basically it. George, you know, there's this wonderful website referred to as The Google, and you can just uh, plug Wells Night Gaming into The Google and find me all over the place. My name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a Minecraft survival guide series for beginners, and my multiplayer Let's Play series, Decidedly Vanilla, where you can see quite how big the cruise ship is that I've committed to building. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search and find out what Wells and the crew are up to on a weekly basis. Although, I do of course recommend watching Wells' channel first. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, but I play other games for from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at PixelRiffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, how about you? You can find everything that I am up to online at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. You can email me through the website if you'd like to hire me, just drop me a line. I am also a podcaster on many shows. You can find the Citadel Cafe and Comics Coast to Coast online. One is about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. The other is about comic creators, illustrators, and animators. I'll let you figure out which one is which. You can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan. And hey, while you're out there, follow me on Twitch. I'm having a lot of fun over there. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but enough TNT will soon take care of that.